you've probably experienced this where you know exactly there, there's like a thing that you want to accomplish you know exactly what needs to be done and you don't do it or you set a goal for yourself and it's just a matter of doing it every day for 30 days and on day six you stop and we've all had that experience and that is not a lack of clarity or a lack of intelligence everybody knows exactly what they were supposed to do but they didn't do it and so i'm obsessed recently with asking the question of why why didn't i do it what stopped me how did i stop myself more accurately what's up you beautiful and handsome damn givers welcome to let's give a damn i'm nick lapara and this podcast is your one-stop shop for all the encouragement and inspiration you'll need to give more dams than ever before. I hope you're doing well. My guest today on the podcast is an incredible young man, Ennis Sirak. Ennis and I met about a year ago, and I love hanging out with this dude. We hang out every month or so, drinking tea, as I note and we note in the podcast. He is a thoughtful, smart, peaceful, passionate young man, and, and he definitely gives a damn. Ennis, with his co-founders, launched Gigamunch, a Nashville-based company that prepares a new meal each week for you from a different country, and they deliver it to your door, fully cooked and ready to go. My family and I have eaten their meals, and they are amazing. The meal I remember eating was from Budapest, Hungary. It was so delicious, and they throw in a few components to that meal that you'll never get from Blue Apron, or HelloFresh, or any of the others out there. This is a completely new and amazing experience. And what I love about this company is that exposure begets empathy. Exposure begets empathy, it creates empathy, and we all need to harness more empathy in our lives. And the reality is, so many people can't or won't travel as much as they'd like to for a million reasons. So Gigamunch brings the world to you in your dining room. It's a win-win for everyone. But we don't talk about food the entire time in this conversation. His story is amazing, and he shares great tips and wisdom for how to get healthy and stay healthy in this crazy, crazy world of ours. This is a great conversation, friends. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Ennis Sirak. Welcome to the podcast, Ennis. Dude, thank you. I'm my honored. brother. Yeah. I was trying to think as I prepared for this, as I you know came and set everything up, like how we met. And I cannot for the life of me remember. Do you remember? Oh, my God. As soon as you said that, it just left. Uh, we've, been get, we've been chatting and getting tea together for a couple years now. Yeah. But I don't remember <laughs> how we actually met. I have no memory of it whatsoever i feel like you sent me an email randomly one day and then you're like i mean i, I do send random emails yeah. every every day to people and yeah. want to connect but how who would have told me about you? i have no I don't idea know. i have no someone idea. told me about you i think that's what it was <laughs> yeah somebody said you need to meet ennis and so i i remember getting you. an email and watching your tedx talk okay and thinking oh man I'm gonna love this guy. Okay, I'm so glad he reached out. Well, that's that's good. That is that is great. <laughs> that makes me feel really good. But yeah, so we've known each other for uh, at least a year, year and a half. Yeah, we've been getting tea every month or two um, at High Garden here yeah. in Nashville, and um, I like you a lot. Thank you. And I like what you're doing. 
And so we've also been putting off this podcast for some reason or another for quite some time. I've really wanted to uh, hear more about your story. I mean, I remember you telling me your story, but I want to hear it and share it with the Let's Give a Damn family. Um, so to begin, what's your story? Tell me <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. Go as short or as long as you want to. Okay. But give us, give me some context for yeah. when we get into your work and why you're here in Nashville and all that sort of stuff. Give us some context for that. I answer that question differently every time I'm asked because I feel in a different place every time that I'm asked. Mm. And so the way that I feel right now, I, I there's a desire to make a distinction between the things that have happened to me and my current situation and where I'm speaking from. So that in terms of the things that have happened to me, I was born in Bosnia. I was uh, a refugee and came to the United States at the age of five. Uh, I learned English pretty fast. I became kind of like the translator guy for my family. And we, uh, you know, my dad was a trucker. My mom was, uh, worked at David's Bridal doing a, a, a seamstress. Mm -hmm. And they never really learned English that well, but they did it enough to, to get by. Um, my brother also became a trucker. Uh, it's just a really, a lot of Bosnians are actually truckers because it's really easy. And not, there's not an education gap or barrier. And you don't have to speak a lot to exactly. do it. You exactly. just drive for 12 you hours just drive. Yeah. Exactly. We have a <laughs> funny story. Like one of my uncles, he's also a trucker and he, he um, likes to get early to the, uh, the, the, the loading station. And that's usually the worst part of the job because they have to, you have to wait for a while. And so he has this thing that he does where he's like, hello, uh, here for delivery. And they're like, uh, yeah, man, you, you just, you know, it says 12 p.m. here. It's 7 a.m. You just, just got to wait five hours. He's like, okay, yeah, here for delivery. <laughs> he just keeps repeating it until they get so frustrated. Until they do it. They just let him in. Yeah. But um, like any, anyways, so the uh, family of truckers, uh, I went to Tennessee Tech University and studied chemical engineering. And the reason I did that is because I, I loved math and science, and I wanted to really get into solar energy in particular. I saw solar energy as, and I still do, as this really natural way of uh, easing conflict, because I think a lot of conflict is based around uh, scarce resources. And I think over the next uh, five to 10 years, we can see solar energy come to a point of efficiency to where we can really, uh, really have it everywhere and producing a lot of energy and at a cost that is uh, cheaper than fossil fuels. Yeah. So I see that as an inevitable thing that will reduce a lot of conflict. So I wanted to get into that. Um, but as I, as I really went deeply into what being a chemical engineer meant, I saw that it wasn't for me. And so... Around that time, I fell in love with entrepreneurship. Um, and so that's like a snapshot of where, kind of what's happened in my background up until entrepreneurship. Yeah, a couple questions. Yeah. Can I butt in there? Yeah, please. Um, so what what's different about you? So trucker, trucker, David's bridal seamstress, and someone that wanted to be a chemical engineer and did, I think, probably even a harder thing. <laughs> And just wanted to become an entrepreneur. What was different about you? Not not and I'm no, in no way comparing you to your family, your family yeah. members. I'm just saying, what was it about you 
in your personality that chose a, a harder thing. You had to learn English. You had to put yourself out there. You you have had to put yourself out there in so many ways over the last few years. Things that your family haven't had to do and won't have to do if they keep you know current job trajectory. I think it was one more opportunity. Like they came in, you know, they were starting life at you know, restarting life at forty. So they they come in to the United States with like you know five hundred dollars in their pocket, no sure. English. So they're starting from scratch, and they were very they were very resourceful, and they accomplished what they could with what they had. Um, for me, I had just a you know a lot more resources to play with. I had um, an a the English language mastered by the time I was like eight years old. I could. Um, read and write just as good as anybody. I ended up being able to go to college because of a mix of scholarships and their support. And so for me, it was, it was just, I think they would have done very similar things had they arrived at the United States a little earlier and learned English a little faster. And they, they, I think I could have seen both of them. Yeah. I mean, the science is really clear, you know, when you're a kid, you yeah. soak it in. Yeah. And when you're older, you don't. I mean, the incentive, many of the incentives or yeah. the reasons to do it are gone. Yeah. You know? So exactly. it's just easier to choose a job like trucking where you can just truck exactly. or sew. And you don't have to do, you know, much else. Yeah, that makes that mm-hmm. makes sense. To my point earlier, the, the thing that I said when I first started was th- there's, I want to make a distinction between the things that happened that sort of led up to this moment and this moment, the way it is, like the situation that I'm in and like where I'm speaking from. So we all share a very similar uh, essence. I believe that. I believe that we can find ourselves in many, many different situations and come from many different backgrounds, but me as a human being, it's like those things are so surface level. And when we, I think people nowadays are really feeling it more than ever. Like when someone asks you, tell me about yourself. Mm. And the impulse, the trained impulse is to say like, you know, your name, what you do, you know, just facts about yourself. And all those things are true, but they don't really, at least for me, they don't feel like representations anymore. Yeah. It's just kind of like a description, you know? Um, it's almost like, to give another example, if I describe a genre of music, I can use like, I can use very detailed descriptions. Like it's indie pop with a 112. Uh, beat per second rhythm or blah 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 but then like you hear the song you're like oh that's what it is yeah you know sure um but beyond regardless of that i'm very willing to to talk about the the description too so anyways i got into entrepreneurship and the reason i got into it was and so this is funny you didn't know that i was part of the the university innovation fellows but that's that's like a program that does 
um, you know, innovation and entrepreneurship training for students all across the country. And I was very lucky to be part of that program um, because of a professor who just said, hey, listen, I think you would like this. She encouraged me to sign up and I did. And they accepted me and I went to California for this innovation and entrepreneurship training. And every student that I met there was so uh, vibrant mm. and so alive. And everyone there wanted to do something impactful and meaningful. And the culture that they set up was one that encouraged that. They didn't make fun of you or kind of downplay changing the world, you know, because that's, I think in, in most conversations when someone says, I want to change the world, there is a, just like almost like a knee-jerk reaction to make fun of that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. manage your expectations. Not yeah. going to happen. It's been, it's, people have tried. <laughs> yeah. Look where we are. Yeah, yeah, totally. And just seen as naive. Yep. And so this, the culture that I found myself in during that, during that program was the opposite. It was like apathy and not caring was made fun of. Mm, yeah. And that was so powerful. Yeah. That was such a powerful experience. I was, I think, 19 at the time. And the, uh, it really left uh, a mark on me. So I thought, this is damn right we should make fun of apathy. Yeah. Why not want to change the world? And so I came back to uh, the campus, really lost interest in chemical engineering at that point. Um, not to say that that is a, totally an avenue that a lot of people could use to make a lot of effect, mm. but it wasn't for me. Sure. And so I saw entrepreneurship as a really powerful, natural way to, to make change and to inspire people and to, uh, to, go, to do cool things. And uh, I ended up starting a few businesses with uh, friends. Um, the first couple businesses didn't go anywhere. They were just sort of, I use air quotes like businesses because it's like we didn't have a customer. Um, we didn't really uh, get that far with yeah, any I've of the been concepts. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, yeah. but we, we were serious about it at the sure. time. And we learned a lot in the whole process of it, but they didn't go anywhere. Um, but the the most recent project that we did, Gigamunch, did have some legs and did end up really growing and having at least somewhat of uh, of, a, of an effect so far. And I think that we're just beginning with it. I think that we are um, going to see a lot of potential over the next few years. But that was the one project that really took off. Perfect segue into sort of the next part of your story, which is which is how I met you. Someone said they connected our need to meet each other over Giga Munch and the the impact this business was beginning to have. So tell us about Giga Munch. Why? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? More importantly, and um, yeah, kind of what's what's what effect is it having? Yeah. So the quick story is. Gigamunch delivers food from different countries. We are a, a subscription service that gives you an authentic international meal right to your doorstep. Uh, the food is gourmet quality. It's fully prepared. And it's always designed by an immigrant or refugee from that country. And it also comes with 
uh, music and stories from that country. So that's, that's the quick version of what it is. Um, why we're doing it is we believe that if we can give people uh, a positive experience, then over time that will open them up. Because if I send you, let's say that you're watching the news and you see something uh, kind of negative about a certain country. Sure. And then I, the next day, you know, you meet someone from that country. It's like the conversations that you can have with that person um, become clouded by what you know, naturally. So we want to simply balance out the, uh, the information and give you a positive experience. So give you a meal that tastes really good, give you music that sounds amazing, give you a story that's emotionally impactful, give you cultural content that's educational. Uh, and we, you know, I'm saying it in a serious tone, but it really is meant to be like a fun, kind of lighthearted thing. And it's meant to, it's meant to show you that, hey, you can in fact uh, learn about another country and explore another culture in a fun way, in a lighthearted way, but, at, but in a way that's still meaningful. And over time, naturally opens you up, naturally educates you. So a lot of our subscribers, they love doing it for their family's sake. They love getting their kids involved, uh, you know, having their kids uh, exposed to a lot of different perspectives and cultures early on. It's not the same as traveling somewhere. Right. I think we will never be able to mimic that experience but i hope that we can at least give people a glimpse and spark their interest because you know at this point we've had people reach out and say after last night's meal we were inspired to go to that country after last night's meal our daughter uh, had a had a really interesting conversation with her teacher who is from another country and so we are already even though we're small we're already seeing some of these connections and moments of inspiration happen yeah, you have lots of proof that your concept works. This works. This will inspire people. So, but you're doing this in the the south. Yeah. And you started. You gave you gave us some indication that there's positive responses. Have there been any n negative responses? Or I guess what I'm trying to get at is you're, again, you're doing this in a place that's not historically known for wanting ethnic food. I mean, there's not that. There's some good ethnic food in Nashville, but not. Mm -hmm that great but you yeah. can find a cracker barrel in every corner mm -hmm. and you know a southern you know like a hot chicken place everywhere and barbecue everywhere but good ethnic food not not that much right and so you're, you're trying to build this really beautiful thing in a place that is again is not historically known for uh overall being welcoming to immigrants and refugees that's you know that's not so much in nashville like nashville's been pretty great toward refugees and immigrants, but just in the South is what I'm saying. So have you found any challenges building this in the South versus if you were to try to build it in like Oakland or San Francisco or LA or New York or these other places where they're, they're you know, by and large open arms to ideas like this? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I have seen people from all walks of life have a lot of interest in this. And I think it's partly because we've done a good job of framing it in a way that's not super uh, threatening. It's, we, we're, again, like, it's, it's all coming from a very fun, lighthearted place of, hey, come try this out. Come explore a different culture with us. Um, the food that we serve is, is authentic and is designed by 
people from each country to be representative. But at the same time, the ingredients that we work with are ingredients that are uh, universal and mm -hmm. global. You know, we do serve uh, chicken and rice, and we do uh, season it with salt and pepper. And and there's salads that have tomatoes and cucumbers. You know, the, the, the base things that you can do with food really, I have found for us, they use a lot of common elements, but they are expressed differently, much like people, much like fashion, much sure. like and many, many things. Like the, the basic things are recognizable and the expression is infinite. And so when we really explain that to people, like we're not serving them, you know, camel toes. Right. We're not serving them like any, you know, crazy weird ingredient yep. we're giving them something that's super authentic it's very easy first yeah. step for them to yeah kind of break out of yeah the uh, shell and i think that there's a lot of misconceptions about international food because what people see on tv is the weird ingredients you know they see all this like really weird stuff on tv because it gets viewers but the reality of most of the cuisines that we've come across is people are are there it's not that crazy you know like the things that people eat on a tip the, a family in vietnam is on a tuesday evening is not going to eat something that crazy they're going to have chicken rice vegetables you yeah. know vegetables yep. they're not going to have something like that you would normally see on these like shocking tv shows and so you know part of it is just having that shared experience so it's like once you get the meal you're like oh this is amazing this is this is what they eat and it's, it is unique it is different you know it's not there's a balance like like what i just said in the first part of that conversation was like oh it's not that crazy but it's also not the same thing it's also something pretty different and when pe when i talk in those two extremes of like oh it is different and you haven't had it before yeah. but it's not crazy and it's not something you've seen on tv yep you know people have a hard time balancing that paradox but once they once they get the food, they're like, "Oh, this is really cool. This is really neat. This is uh, just an authentic experience from that culture." Yeah, we've my family and I have eaten food from Giga Munch, and it's wonderful. The whole experience is wonderful. Uh, the 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 pulling out the playlists and reading my kids the pamphlet that comes with it with you know details and things about the country, everything. It's just a really really beautiful experience. And so if you're if people are used to uh, you know, getting their meal right from uh, Blue Apron or HelloFresh. Like this is something completely different and next level, uh, really. Let's talk about people for a second. And this is still with your, your with the business, with Gigamunch. But on your LinkedIn, as you're describing who you are and what you do, you, you say, I believe that the world is a beautiful place. And by diving into new perspectives, we can increase our appreciation and understanding of each other. Yeah. So, so why did you, why food? So that's true, right? And we need, we need that perspective. If I didn't know you at all, I would learn a lot about you from just that statement there, right from the get go. You're somebody that sees when you walk into a situation, maybe not every time, but you see the positive side of things, right? Cause one could easily say the world's pretty fucked up and I'm just trying to like, you know, make it a better place. That's not how you framed it. You framed it with, I believe the world 
is a beautiful place. And by diving into new perspectives, we increase our appreciation for each other, right? It's the classic exposure creates empathy, right? You can think that you hate something or someone, whether it's food or a person because of their religious background. But when you meet them, you're like, whoa, that's, you're not what I thought you'd be. You don't interact the way that I thought you would. Yeah. You're totally different. So based on that statement, like, why did you choose, why food? Why yeah. are you trying to bring people together over food? Why not some other thing? I love the way you expressed that, like just what you just said about it's always not what you thought it would be. You yeah. Know? That's so true. People, and myself included, we live through uh, ideas. So we have this idea of everything. Like when, when we're about to have lunch with someone, when we're driving to the, the coffee shop, the image of that person and like in our head, we're like, I'm going to have tea with Tim. And like Tim is just this imaginary, very like diluted concept in yep. your mind. And then when you sit down to actually meet with have Tim, tea with you're Tim. Like, like, oh, this is nothing yep. like what I thought it would be. Yep. And same thing is true for uh, cultures, other traditions, other perspectives, other people, uh, food. It's true for everything that the expectation is different from the reality of it. And I have found that fear and misunderstanding and conflict happen when people live through the idea too much and don't have exposure to the reality of something. And so for us, it's like, well, what if we just gave people that experience in a fun way? Because I have lived that experience through travel. All, the co-founders and I have all had a huge influence from traveling and uh, seeing new perspectives and being immersed in different cultures. So really, this whole business of Gigamunch is really just trying to capture the experience of travel in a way that's more accessible. And that's why we we believe like when you're traveling, the some of the most important things that you encounter are people, food, and music. So we want to share the stories of people. We want to give you f the food of that country and the music of it. And for us, it's just the super simple, super accessible uh, way to kind of glimpse that culture. Um, it does start with the people. I think that the stories that we share, um, the people that we feature, putting a real face to something and then giving people that, that imprint, I think helps humanize. It helps yeah, normalize. Absolutely. It helps just give people a more, uh, it just gets them out of their head. Like whatever concept they were living through erases it. I can't remember from the meal that we got. Do you guys share the, the face of the chef of the week? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so you can, see, we like to have a picture of them. It's like, usually we try to have a picture of them holding the plate of food that they designed. So it's almost like just by seeing that you're there, it's like mimicking the feeling of like, if they were to invite you into their home and serve you dinner, this will tell you like right before right, you get it. Right. And uh, I think that experience, again, it's like, it's, it's not going to be able to be the same as travel, but I think it's a glimpse. I think it's like a good, a good introduction to it. There's been studies done about 
restaurants that have open kitchen concept, right? Because, um, you know, there's these horror stories about what happens in kitchens, right? And and put all that aside, you feel much better when you can see yeah. the chef or the sous chef or the, the people in there preparing your meal. Gives you more confidence yeah. to know that they're right there. If I have a problem, I know who to go to versus this kind of behind the wall thing. And so you're trying to provide that even though people are coming home from work and finding the Giga Munch bag on their doorstep. They're not, you know, they're not eating at a restaurant or they're not going to, you know, Bosnia or Croatia or Egypt or yeah. uh, wherever. You're giving them the next best thing. What are some of the countries that, so like, think the upcoming weeks or last few weeks, yeah. just give people uh, an idea of yeah. where. Yeah, so we have featured over almost, I think, 50 cultures at this point. It's um, crazy. We've, we've got South Korea coming up and then Bolivia after that and then South Africa and then Syria. Um, we did Bosnia recently, actually. We do, um, we try to get cultures from all over the world. You know, we've really done a good job of representing that variety because we try to get a, a when as the weeks go by, we try to do cultures that are quite different from each other. So like if one week we did Bolivia, the next week we might want to do um, Sudan. Sure. You know, if one totally week, different part of the world. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's crazy. Like, I don't, you probably know, there's 120 languages spoken in Nashville. So there's Wild. just like a crazy amount of culture in our own backyard. And I think that the truth is people have the desire to, to dive in to other cultures and other foods and to other perspectives. But the activation energy, the, the barrier to entry can be high sometimes. And so if, you're, if you've got a lot going on with your job, with your side projects, with the family, it's hard to make time even for like exercise and meditation, let alone these, these other things. So we just try to make it easy. We just want to say, okay, we know that you have good intentions to explore the world to widen your perspective, to make contact with the community as a whole. But we're going to make it easy for you. And that's really it. The co-founders, your yeah. co-founders, are they also refugee immigrant background or are they American? Two of them are from India. Okay. And one of them is born in Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it's a good mix. It's a really beautiful mix there. That's really cool. So thank you. I don't want to spend the whole time on Giga Munch, but yeah. I did want to highlight that. Um, for anybody listening that wants to be part of it, you have to be in Nashville to, to partake of it right now. But uh, you can also, I don't know, encourage all of your Nashville friends to partake so that they can be off to the races and get into more cities, right? Yeah. That'd be, that'd be wonderful. Um, let's talk about you for a little bit. You, so we talked about Giga Munch. We got some of your story. I want to learn from you, the, the, the Ennis, the damn giver. Um, because I, I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know you. You're a very thoughtful person. You live life very intentionally. I don't see too many haphazard things happening, you know, in your life because you just pretty intentionally, you know, map things out. And so I want people that are listening to learn from you, not saying you're perfect or the expert in all things, but you're learning things right now about how to build a profitable business or try to, uh, that also, uh, serves people in so many ways, serves their, their stomachs, their bellies. They're becoming, you know, they're being sustained through your business, but they're also their perspectives, their worldview, everything's just opening up for them. So 
starting a business is not easy. I know this because we've talked. People listening don't know this yet, but it's been hard. It's hard to find the money, the time, the energy, the people, the customers, all of that. How do you stay healthy? How do you get the strength to keep going? And it can be anything, whatever comes to mind, you know, emotional things you do for yourself, physical things you do for yourself. Um, yeah. How do you stay healthy in this great journey that you're on? For me, it's been the great blessing to start with good friends and have a really strong team. I cannot imagine doing half the stuff we've done if, if I was trying to do it solo. Um, I think there's a lot of projects out there that are more conducive to like solo work, but I've, I've, I'm of the mentality that the really great things to accomplish nowadays can only happen in a team. And so for me, first and foremost, having a team that I can rely on and friends that I can go to and an amazing girlfriend that I can have fun with. It's, it's that community of people that I think provide the necessary support for me. And so, you know, if, if someone's thinking of like starting a business, I would say really think about who can you partner with to make it that much more likely that it'll succeed. Um, what relationships do you need to get in order for you to even be of stable mind and mind and spirit to to be able to focus on something like a business for a long time? Uh, so so for me, it starts with relationships and and people. Um, from there, I think meditation is just a given. If you're not meditating or doing something that has a similar effect, such as such as yoga or intentional exercise or, I don't know, the multitude of weird, like cold showers, for example, Wim, Wim Hof and his whole yes. thing, you know. Um, do you do the cold showers? I try to when I... I, I do the cold showers yeah. as much as I can. Yeah, as much as I Pretty can. Pretty <laughs> hard sometimes, but it's very helpful. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're good. I, I think... But yeah, those things really help. Mm -hmm. You got to have like something like that to sort of... Basically, when the mind gets too stimulated and active, you got to have something that refreshes it. Because like we do that all the time with our phones. Like once there are too many tabs, you kind of clear it. You know, could you imagine if like you you went a whole week without turning off your phone or clearing a single tab? It would just be ridiculously slow and overheated. Yep. And that's what we most of us feel throughout the day now. We feel slow and overheated. If you can take the time to reset, you will feel uh, much better. My, uh, it's funny you just said that. It's so so spot on. My the browser on my <laughs> laptop just yesterday. It, for multiple tabs in a row, it had a bar across the top in Safari that said, you know, the performance on your computer is being, computer is not performing yeah. in the way that it could. Right. If you shut this tab down, mm -hmm. it will. You know, like, <laughs> shut the freaking tab down. Yeah. Like, you have too many tabs open. Yeah. And I went and I scrolled through and I had like 25 tabs open because you just, I'm just working. I'm just like yeah. plugging along and hustling. And it was reminding me, hey, if you want, if you're noticing that when you open the next tab or go to the next thing and you're not, 
it's not functioning well. And I, and I was noticing that. I was frustrated. I was like, why is my computer? Is it the internet? And I'm getting frustrated. And my computer reminded me, it's you. Like you, yeah. you're doing this. Like if you want this computer to do what it, you want it to do, shut some tabs, dude. Yeah. And so many times in life, we don't function that way. We think we can be on our phones all day, then on our computers, and then plop down in front of a, this you know screen every night and watch three hours yeah. of just you think you're relaxing your mind <laughs> your mind is i mean everything's firing and just everything's going off because you're taking in all these visuals and the sound and everything the last thing you're doing is relaxing if you want to relax read a book meditate go exercise like that's going to actually do stuff for your body don't think that by plopping down for another movie on another night you're not relaxing everything's going your emotions your body you know uh so those are those are good yeah good suggestions have you ever read the book deep work uh yeah cal newport so i a lot of gems in that book but one of my favorite things that i got out of it was the uh the fact that when you're doing something there is like not a clear slate every time you switch to the new task like when we switch to a new tab we only see what's on that tab but when i go from conversation one to conversation two I'm actually still thinking about conversation one while I'm talking with the second person. So it may not seem like that, like consciously, but subconsciously, it takes like a good hour to, uh, to refocus. Like, you know what I mean by that? Yeah. 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 No, totally. What does he recommend doing? Like, well, do I mean, just I not schedule things back to back or I, how, how do I, you? Yes, actually. Yes. Yeah. That's his whole thing. Cause uh, you don't think you're doing it. Right. But you totally are. Like, yeah, if it's you, so true. If you give yourself, I'd say, I know it's hard for like most people to even attempt to do this, but it's like if you can do something, <laughs> the, the, the irony of this book is like the people who need it most could never read it because it's like long and boring. Yeah. He, <laughs> you just described Cal Newport in a, in a sentence, long and boring. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's very ironic. So anyways, to give a shortened version of it is if you can – be patient with yourself, um, do something for three hours and just expect to be not in the mood for the first like 45 minutes and expect the first 45 minutes to kind of suck and to feel brain fog and to, you know, not be in the zone. But if you can keep with it for like 45 minutes to an hour, when you hit that hour mark, it'll feel like your brain lit up. You know, it'll feel like you had a cup of coffee, even though you didn't. Because now the focus is 100% aligned on that one task. Who inspires you? Who inspires you to keep going? I have a lot of inspirations. I have a lot of mentors and books and people who I go to to, uh, to just sort of remind myself. Yeah. Um, well, go for it. Teach us, Sensei. In the theme of like happiness, I'm very motivated by uh, certain spiritual teachers. I'll just name like Eckhart Tolle, Adyashanti, Muji, Sadhguru, Rupert Spira. All five of these guys are incredible. You can look up any of their YouTube videos for an otherworldly amount of wisdom. In terms of health, um, I love Mark Hyman. I love 
uh, ritual. I love people who, even like people like Tim Ferriss, who are just kind of open-minded and experimenting with like what works in terms of finance and like productivity stuff and goal setting. I, you ever listen to, um, what's his, Tim, Tim Bellew and Impact? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really, I listen, I just finished a podcast where he was the one being interviewed instead of giving the interview. And his mindset was so helpful to me. Um, the mindset that he, he gave was basically, if you can identify with being a learner, that gives you a very anti-fragile, uh, resilient mindset. Because let's say that I come up to you and I'm like, hey, you suck at this. You know, if you have the identity of a learner, you're like, tell me more. You don't yeah. you lean in. You're not offended by it. You're not slowed down by that. You don't feel like that sort of like that feeling of being attacked when someone's criticizing you. Instead, you're just kind of like, oh, really? Cool. And he had this like really interesting perspective of when I was a kid, I loved the show uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender. And I loved like books like Aragon and uh, even just any, any book where you and my wife should be friends or your, yeah. your, your kid's self and my wife should be friends. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I love like the feeling of like superheroes and being able to like have a tremendous impact on the world because of like these abilities. And he really broke down like you can be that. Yeah. Like the, someone who is really good at Photoshop, that's a superpower. Like if you're good at Photoshop, you can create a flyer yeah. that gets people to an event. Yeah. You can retouch a family photo that gives someone a an emotional reaction. You can do things that have a real effect on people. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, okay, you know, in, in the fantasy world, we think in terms of like the ability to fly and super strength. But like in this world that we live in, the superpowers are like, oh, that guy's really good at communication. Oh, he really knows marketing. Oh, that person, they're able to set a goal and stick to it. You know, those are the superpowers in this world. Yeah. And so for me, I'm like, I'm just obsessed with becoming as skilled as possible. The best version of yourself. Yeah, the possible. best version possible that can have the most impact. And um, I'm, I'm taking a lot from Tom today in particular just because I finished his podcast most recently. But he had his definition of power was, because a lot of people are like kind of, they have a weird relationship with that word. But for me and the way he said it, power is simply the extent to which you can change the world. Mm. And whatever you do with that is up to you. But I want power to make a positive impact in the world. And so, you know, that part of that is learning skills. Part of that is um, also diving deep into identity level stuff. Because I think our identity ultimately determines what skills we are open to learning and to the extent that we will uh, challenge ourselves during the learning process because you've probably experienced this where you know exactly there, there's like a thing that you want to accomplish you know exactly what needs to be done and you don't do it 
or you set a goal for yourself and it's just a matter of doing it every day for 30 days and on day six you stop. And we've all had that experience. And that is not a lack of clarity or a lack of intelligence. Everybody knows exactly what they were supposed to do, but they didn't do it. And so I'm obsessed recently with asking the question of why? Why didn't I do it? What stopped me? Um, how did I stop myself more accurately? And so go. for me, it's like diving into like self-sabotage, diving into limiting beliefs, diving into um, just a whole host of uh, learned behaviors that are subconscious habits to keep you in the lane. I was um, driving the other night and I had this amazing experience where I was driving and I could see that as I got a little bit into the left side of the lane, my my hands would automatically adjust the steering wheel by like a millimeter to go back into the center of the lane. And I was watching this happen over the course of, you know, 10 minutes. It hit me on a deep level. Oh, my subconscious is keeping me in the lane. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not intentionally, you know, doing this. It's just an, kind of an automatic reaction. And our subconscious does this in many, many areas of our life, not just in the lane that we're driving in, but in your health lane, in your relationships lane, in all sorts of things. There is a upper and lower boundary that you uh, have that is determined by your identity. You know, we identify as someone who is of a certain level of health. If you were to, you know, start to lose weight or start to get ripped and you're not yet the identity of someone who looks like that, there's going to come a day where you look in the mirror and you see a six pack and you're like, that's not me. Mm. And it's not going to be conscious. It's really not. It's, it's just going to be like, in, consciously you're like, yeah, nice. I have a six pack. Subconsciously you're like, what am I doing in the right lane? I need to go back to the center. Sure. And you'll just stop working out or you'll, you know, you'll rationalize like why you did it. But what's really happening there is the reality wasn't matching up with your identity. And so I'm obsessed with that recently as well. It's a good thing to be obsessed with. Yeah. Because living an intentional life is everything. It really is. Like coasting through life is for the birds, man. Like I don't, but so many people are doing it. They're just coasting. They're living in that subconsciousness where they're just letting life. I mean, I've done that before uh, to kind of borrow from your, your experience, like, driving for miles and not even realizing that like I got from A to B, which is fine, except for this other cars on the road. <laughs> and like, how could I brake? How did I know when to brake and when to accelerate? But that's neither here nor there. The point <laughs> is that like, you get through this experience, you're like, holy shit, like I just went four miles. Yeah. I don't know how I got here. Yeah. You don't realize that you're, you know, moving your hand on the steering wheel one millimeter to keep yourself in that lane, it, yeah. just, it just happens. It just happens. And that's, when life is lived that way, we miss so much. You miss so much, you don't get to fully experience. Because there's so many opportunities coming your way, so many people that you have to meet that day, right? So many people that you should have met, but you were coasting, you were in mm. your subconscious. So many, yeah. oppor just missed opportunities. Maybe your next career, your next uh, person that you need to help, serve, love, take care of, your next partner, your next, your spouse, like not your next spouse, hopefully, but like <laughs> your spouse, like all these th things are happening around us. 
I mean, that's the life of the damn giver right there is someone who does care so intensely and intimately about getting out of that, just living on autopilot, just, just going, you know? Yeah. The autopilot. That's, that's a great, that's like the perfect word for it, right? Yeah. Like you're living life on autopilot and the, the autopilot has been programmed by your environment in the past however many years, predominantly your parents, your early friends, the media that you took in at a young age. That's probably like the biggest, you know, program in there. And, you know, very similar to when I was in that lane, I started to like really play with it. And I thought, and I, I thought to myself, if I want to get into the right lane right now, I have to manually over override this, yeah, like this urge to stay in my lane. And so very similar to that, we have to override those habits, yeah. those um, inclinations. However, I think recently I've been noticing that people are getting really frustrated with that game because they know that they have these bad habits. They know that they have these uh, tendencies and they're doing their best to override them. But in the long run, they're just unable to really be consistent with it. And so recently I started to feel like it's not a matter of, you know, beating your subconscious every day. It's just really more of, more of identifying the program mm. in the beginning and then really getting rid of it to where, you know, there's no reason why you shouldn't be naturally inclined to eat healthy. There's no reason why you shouldn't naturally be inclined to whatever, you know, and just sort of take, making it easy on yourself and, and, and saying like, hey, instead of forcing myself through willpower to do something or to give up a certain habit, it's like looking at the deeper reason of like, why is this so tough? Why, why is it that other people don't have this issue? Why are like, cause not everyone, I don't have to exert willpower to, you know, not take certain drugs every day, right. but to the drug addict, it's like, oh, they really do. They have to have a lot of willpower to not do whatever drug that day. And so there's a lot of obviously complicated reasons there of what causes drug addiction and what keeps it sustained and the, the chemistry of it and all that. But the point being is just kind of looking around asking like, who is not struggling with this? And what identity did they have? What can I do to kind of dive into their perspective a bit um, and take on what, what comes so naturally to that person? Yeah. No, it's super helpful. And I'm, I'm actually glad you brought up Tom Bilyeu because yeah. Tom's a perfect example of that. If you, if you know his story, and for those of you who are listening that don't know his story, go, because you might think, oh, well, I'm predisposed. You know, you, you a few minutes ago mentioned like so much of our ideas are come from our parents and our, where we came from and all that stuff, right? But, and that's fine. That's, we, we can't change. I can't change where I came from, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But you don't have to stay there. Right. So you've got Tom Bilyeu living in Tacoma, Washington, growing up, and he, you know, very unhealthy, I mean, overweight, just not not living his best life. And he went and he could have stayed there. He could have stayed there. He could have stayed in that state or maybe improved a little bit. You might look at if you go look at Tom's Instagram right now, I mean, he's he, super fit, 
He's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, got the beautiful wife, got the stuff. He was at the Oscars last week. Like, but that wasn't always it. He was fat Tom Bilyeu that wasn't yeah. happy with himself. Yeah. And then he made these changes. He did the hard work. He started Quest Nutrition, became a billion dollar company. And now Tom is who he is today, inspiring people. And so I think it's easy to look and be like, oh, Tom, well, Tom had it made. Tom didn't have it made. Tom had everything going against him. He was stuck. He was stuck in these unhealthy habits and patterns. Um, but he decided really intentionally to break out of the autopilot, Yeah. to get out of his lane and make the necessary changes. I think one thing that's really interesting about his story is the business partners that he started working with early on. So he describes how, you know, for, I can't remember, it was over a decade, uh, he was working alongside these, these two guys who were of a very different mentality than him in terms of, like, he described it as they were very tough mentally. Mm. Like, they were very, like, we expect the best out of you. Don't act like an employee, act like an owner, and we'll make you an owner at some point. And so he describes how they had a huge influence in him. And I have seen the, that story, that aspect of that story repeat in a lot of people's lives that are successful where if they found themselves with a lack of ambition and discipline or a lack of whatever qualities that were necessary to be successful, the one thing that they did that made all the difference was to surround themselves with people that did. And by just being around those people, they over time could, uh, could get those qualities. I think it's actually really tough to just choose a quality and then start to live it. I think it's much more practical to write down the quality that you want, to find someone who definitely has it, and then spend as much time as possible with that person. I think you do become the people you hang out with, and I don't think you become more like them. I think you become them. I think you mm. really, really become the people you spend the most time mm. with and you become the media that you take in. Definitely. If you are taking in just, you know, I don't know, fear, then you become fearful. A lot of the people that I like to listen to very intentionally is uh, people who believe that they can change and that they can grow. And so their mentality just naturally seeps into mine. And so as I listen, I just naturally developed the mentality of I can change and I'm not a victim to my environment. Do not take your cue from circumstances mm. ever. If everything around you is saying you should be happy or you should be sad or you should be whatever, it doesn't matter. Like don't take the cue from the circumstances because whatever is happening right now does not need to reflect what happens next. Yeah, And from 100%. the linear, logical kind of society that we live in, we are so ingrained in cause and effect yep. that, you know, cause and effect is just like blindly worshiped at this point where it's like, oh, you know, if, if I've been, if I've been in this situation, then I'm probably going to be in this next, this other situation yep. that looks very similar tomorrow, you know? And, Yes, that is true. Obviously, cause and effect is a real thing. 
but I think people misunderstand it when it comes into play in their lives because a human being can go through an unbelievable, unbelievable transformation in just a few months. Yep. And the belief that change is impossible or not likely to happen to me, it's a huge barrier. It's a huge barrier. And I think if people kind of took on the, the, the belief system of actually the situation that I'm in right now does not have to affect what happens like tomorrow at all like at all yeah then that opens you up that opens you up to really imagine a life that you want to live without referencing your past or your current moment and so that's real imagination you know without referencing what's happening now you're imagining something that doesn't exist and then once you can see it clearly, then I think that's when the magic starts to happen where you can go, why, why can't I go there? Why can't that world be my world? You know? And one of the beautiful things, you know, there are many negative things about our current state of social media and media in general, right? The amount of information we have at our fingertips, there's good and bad, right? But one of the beautiful things is that we have so many examples, right? We can find so many examples of people that were in shitty situations yeah. what name your situation yeah you know grew up in poverty or raped or this or that like you name it was refugee and stuck in the middle of you know in the boat in the middle of the whatever ocean right like so many people have overcome those things yeah and so now we have fewer excuses than ever to stay in our current situation yeah because there's so many examples of people that said hell no yeah like i'm not going to be defined by the fact that that person raped me or the fact that my parents could never find a way out of poverty or the fact that I had to leave a country because of war yeah. or again, name your thing. There's no excuses anymore. And I'm not downplaying how horrible it is to be in any of those situations. It sucks. And I sort of wouldn't blame you if you did want to stay there because I, I can't imagine some of those situations like just how bad you feel, but you don't have to. There's plenty of examples. I mean, if... You know, Malala Yousafzai could get shot in the face by Taliban and then s still get out of there and now become an advocate for girls all over the world. You can buck up and move past your thing. So yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. Let's use media to that end to learn more. Yeah. And to expose ourselves to more people that have uh, overcome shitty things to go on and do amazing things. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Someday you're going to die many, many years from now, but inevitably it will happen. Death rate is still 100% last time I checked. And- um, For now. For, for now, exactly, for now. Elon Musk, come on. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give you a eulogy. Uh, for some odd reason, I've been chosen to give you a eulogy. A huge number of people are gathered to celebrate and mourn your life. Equal part celebration and mourning, because it sucks that Ennis is gone, but did a lot of great things while he was here. Again, I've been asked to give a eulogy. What do you hope that I would say on that day about your life and legacy? I don't know what the specific words would be, but I would like or hope that the essence of it conveys that I didn't treat people as a means to an end and that I didn't live life on autopilot. And I guess above all, 
that in every interaction with me, that whatever I was interacting with, whether it be a flower on a sidewalk or a human being, that it was somehow benefited. It's a beautiful life and legacy. I hope that is true. Thank you. Uh, this has been fun. Yeah. Thank you, Ennis Sirak, founder of Gigamunch and Badass Human. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Maybe man. we'll do round two someday. But for now, um, I think you've shared some really great stuff with us and I can't wait to share it with everybody. I really appreciate that. Really. Uh, today's been really fun. And you have a, you have a way of, I think, uh, taking people in a space where they feel very comfortable to share and just, I don't know, the questions you've asked were really great. Um, really, really appreciated this. Hope we can do it again. Thanks. It's been fun. As always, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. I hope you are encouraged by my conversation with Ennis Sirak. Here is today's takeaway and challenge for you. 99% of the people listening to this podcast do not live in or around Middle Tennessee, where I currently live. So you won't be able to enjoy Gigamunch meal anytime soon. But you can do this same thing in your community. Here's an idea or a couple of ideas. You most likely have immigrants or refugees living very close to you. Get to know them. Show deep and real interest in learning more about them, their country, their customs, their food, etc. And I bet they would feel very honored if you asked them to teach you how to cook some of their food. And don't be that person to make them pay for it. Pay for the supplies, the ingredients, and help them prepare this feast. I'm sure there are many takeaways from this conversation, but this is the one that sticks out most for me. So do that. And if you do that, let me know. I want to hear stories. I want to hear feedback from you. If you decide, take that leap, get to know people that aren't just like you, because the more you get to know them, you'll realize that they are just like you. To find more information about this podcast conversation and all things Let's Give a Damn, go to letsgiveadam.com. If you love what we're doing, tell a friend or maybe leave a five-star rating interview on Apple Podcasts or consider giving us a few dollars each month to support the production and execution of this show by visiting patreon.com slash letsgiveadam. This podcast, as always, was edited and produced by the incredible Chad Snavely. The music is by the equally incredible Propaganda. See you all next week. Big week next week. I'll tell you why then. See you all next week. Peace. Peace.